Good morning. Hello. Please stand up. Shake it out. Kick your leg. We're so glad you're here. It's Palm Sunday, the day of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. I about said Judea. Woo! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to have a special treat from the children coming out here shortly. It'll be really cute. So join with us as we sing Joy. soul down deep in my soul you give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul there's beauty there's beauty in my brokenness I've got true love instead of pain. There's freedom though you've captured me. I've got joy instead of mourning. You give me joy down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. Down deep in my soul. You give me joy down deep my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul never been so free caught in your love for me never been more secure knowing your heart lord never been so free caught in your love for me Never been more secure, knowing your heart, Lord. Never been so free, caught in your love for me. Never been more secure, knowing your heart, Lord. Never been so free, caught in your love for me. Never been more secure, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, you give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul. Here we go, church. You give me joy. Down deep in my soul, down deep in my soul, 
down deep in my soul you give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul you give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul you give me joy down deep in my soul down deep in my soul down deep in my soul Hey, good morning, Christ community. Everyone look to the doors. There hey, so uh, we're sitting here singing about going, you know, joy deep in my soul. And uh, we hope that we have that here at Christ community because of Jesus. But when I look out over this crowd, you ain't got nothing compared to the crowd that's on the other side of the wall. So I asked them for some help this morning on this Palm Sunday because Palm Sunday is the Sunday, right, that we remember that Jesus went into Jerusalem and when he went into Jerusalem, man, there was praising, they were shouting Hosanna, and they were excited that Jesus had come. And so, join me. I'm just telling you, these kids are going to try to get you excited. So you can either be the bump on the log that continues to stand there, or you can, be, you can join them in their joy for Jesus. So, all right, kiddos, you guys ready? Yeah. What we talk about, you got to show these adults how to have some joy in Jesus, right? Are you ready? All right, let's go. Hosanna, come on, come on. that door. All right, all right. All right, all right. We got kids running around everywhere. Welcome to Christ Community. Hey, we really are glad you're here this morning. And um, man, it's just a joy to follow Jesus. You never know what it's going to be like. And we just join him uh, in his mission to, to love the world, to love people. And uh, those kiddos are a great example of how God is changing lives one person at a time here in our community. And so um, this morning we've asked... Uh, some of these guys, these leaders who uh, are in our community kids, to read for us the Palm Sunday story as we begin our time of worship. So, guys, take it away. Now, then, now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage with, and Bethany, at the Mountain of Olives, Jesus sent two of his, two of his disciples and said to them, Go to the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied 
on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they, and they went away and found the colt tied, tied at a door outside in the street. And they untied it. And some, some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing and untying the colt? And, and they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And may spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. All right. Give it up for these guys. <clears throat> hey, would you pray with me as we start our time of worship this morning? Father God, we thank you that uh, you sent your son Jesus, uh, not just to earth, but to Jerusalem, to the temple courts, and eventually to the cross. And Father God, we... Um, we have no idea what it took to do that, but you did it for us, and we are grateful for that this morning. Father, as we remember that and as we celebrate your son Jesus in this place today, I pray that you would uh, use your spirit and your word to guide us, uh, that our hearts would be broken as we think about um, just who we are and who you are, a holy and awesome God giving us righteousness and calling us to so much more. May we join you today, Jesus, in our worship, in our hearts, and as we leave this place, may we be the hands and feet of Christ in our community, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with us?
Amen. Faultless, we stand before the throne. Every once in a while, like, I'm a teacher at heart, right? So sometimes I sing stuff like that, and I'm like, do we know what that means? That faultless, we stand before the throne. That when we have Christ in our lives, when we believe in him and trust in him for salvation, when we stand in front of the holy God of the universe, we're faultless in his eyes. Not because we're good people, but because he sees Christ in our place. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. Hey, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start this morning um, and read and share. Typically, this is a, this is a fourth Sunday. Um, so typically, this is a Love Shelbyville day for us, where we go out and we serve our community. And uh, yesterday, we, uh, we did a new thing that we're trying once a quarter with uh, the Ladies Retreat Reserve, and it was awesome. Uh, or so I'm told. I'm not a lady. I wasn't there. Um, I heard it was great. So I wanted to, uh, in the spirit of Love Shelbyville Day, I wanted to share with our church uh, a couple of thank you notes that we have received. This is like, I love this. This, this is fun. Um, so one of these, this is uh, from a gentleman at Awake Ministries who, um, through the giving of our church, we were able to um, help him get some glasses. And he said, thank you for your support and your donation. You've helped me with no words. Um, no wor- you've helped me in a way that no words could explain. May you all be blessed. And then uh, another one says this, Dear Congregants of Christ Community Church, Acts 20.35 says, In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. Our community has truly been a blessing to our family. God has touched many hearts so that they could be a blessing to help us build our home. There's no way that we could ever say thank you enough, and we will not ever forget to share the blessings that we have received through this project. So there are many groups and many individuals that we would like to thank, and your church is one of them. There was an individual in your congregation that gave us $500 to put towards projects on our home, and we appreciate that person as well. Without the good works from people like you, we would not have such a beautiful home to raise our children in. Some people worked on our home, gave money, or prayed for us, and all these things are being the hands and feet of Christ, which we are all called to do, and all are appreciated. We hope that your partnership with Habitat for Humanity continues after this project. This is such a great organization. Pam Carter's done a great job in leading it. Please pray for her and for Habitat as they continue to grow and continue to spread the kingdom of God. Without God, Habitat for Humanity, and people like you, our dream may never have become reality. This project has made us realize that we are worthy of God's blessings, and we are worthy of God's love. Thank you again for your support and love. God bless you all, the Powell family. So... It's just fun to share when God uses you and others and the local church to transform people in a community, one person at a time. And so uh, to that church, I say thank you, but, but also let's keep going. Amen? Let's keep going. So, hey, uh, thanks to our kiddos again for reading our passage for the day from Mark 11. I want to encourage you to, to turn there, find that in your phone, whatever that looks like for you, Mark 11. We're going to go through the first 11 verses as we think about Jesus' triumphal entry on uh, Palm Sunday here. We've been in a series, and this is our last uh, Sunday in the series, entitled Moving Out. And the whole idea has been, as we've journeyed with Jesus and his disciples, uh, they've been moving from Galilee to Jerusalem. And we know that what ends up happening in Jerusalem is Christ dies on the cross for us. But we've been joining Jesus in, in this journey with his disciples and how he's teaching them to join him on the outside. What we're all about here at Christ Community, right? Going outside. And so we talked about uh, how we, um, when we're changing, when things in our life are changing, uh, 
one of two things is going to happen. We're going to move out to something that matters, or we're going to get sucked back into a life of sin. And so we've talked about um, some different things that, that help us in that journey, how we prepare for change, how we purge old things out of our lives so that we can press on to new ones, how we push through to something new. It was just last week, and we talked about how, um, man, when we're at the end of our rope, when we're pooped out, right, Jesus pays up. He is the ransom cost for us. And today we're going to talk about praising him in the valley. So if you've got Mark 11, let's, uh, let's read through that one more time together and then pray for our time in the Word. It says, When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and told them, Go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied by a door. And they untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing, untying the colt? And they answered them, just as Jesus had said, so they let them go. They brought the donkey to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David in the highest heaven. He went into Jerusalem and into the temple, and after looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your timeless word, a word that is true, a word that guides us. And Father, we pray that uh, through your spirit we would not only understand your word today, but that we would apply it to our lives and we would be changed as we come into your presence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember the first time that uh, I came to Shelbyville, Kentucky. Um, it was for a date. And uh, I had ran into this uh, cute little girl named Caitlin at Campbellsville University. Uh, gotten to know her on the Facebook. And um, I decided I was going to go on a date. And so I made the hour and a half drive from Campbellsville to Shelbyville. And um, in that hour and a half, something happened to me that had never happened to me before. I got nervous about going on a date with a girl. I, I, I don't, like, I just never, that had never been a thing for me. Like, I, you just, I was never nervous about going on a date with a girl. And here I was, I was nervous. This girl was cute. I liked her. And so I, I, I did something awesome. I called my dad. I called my dad and I was like, Dad, I know this is going to sound weird. You got to know my dad. I think I've seen him smile three times in my life. <laughs> so I was like, Dad, I know this is going to sound weird to you. I know you don't have a lot of emotion in your life, but I'm nervous. I really like this girl. I, I don't want to screw it up. He said, just be yourself. I was so disappointed. I love my dad. I love my dad, and he's a wise guy, but I was like, Dad, that's all you got for me? Yeah, just be yourself. It'll be all right. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. I was calling dad. I was hoping he was going to you know, squelch my fears, make me not nervous. Uh, for the record, um, I'm not sure how many times I went to the bathroom that night on that date. <laughs> Somehow it still worked out, but I was really nervous on this date. And my dad's only advice to me was, just be yourself. And I couldn't help but ask, and I asked it for a long time, like, Dad, seriously, that's all you got for me, right? 
That's all you got for me. That question, is that all you got for me, expresses the disappointment I think that sometimes uh, we feel when it comes to walking with Christ, when it comes to, to journeying with Him, when it comes to figuring out what it means to be a true follower of Him. And, and it's something that I would say we even see here in this story of the triumphal entry. If we look at these last few verses in Mark 11, 1 through 11, and, and obviously in, in verse 9, like, they're praising him. They're, they're putting their, their cloaks on the ground. These are things that they've worked hard for, that they've saved money for. They're sacrificing so much for him. But then we come down to verse 11, and it says, He went in Jerusalem and into the temple, and after looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. In one moment, they're, they're praising him, they're sacrificing, they're laying everything down for him, and he comes into town riding on a donkey, and it's like, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Like, and then he leaves town. Everyone was amped to, to receive Jesus. They sang praise to him. They waved their branches. They got excited, right? But as soon as they had ushered him in, they let him walk away. Now, <clears throat> I want to make sure that we feel this or think about this. And so um, I don't know if you've watched the NCAA tournament at all, but uh, there's a hero right now of the NCAA tournament, Miss Jean. Miss Jean, right? So Miss Jean is, um, she's the chaplain for Loyola Chicago, who is now in the Final Four. And um, some people, Randy, Randy, where's Randy at? Randy, Randy told me this morning the reason they're in the Final Four is because of Miss Jean. So Randy's got the inside track on that. But when Miss Jean, they're, like she can't hide anymore, right? If Miss Jean is in the building, everyone knows where Miss Jean is. I'm pretty sure if you watched the game last night, you saw more of Miss Jean than you did of the game. And you can't tell me that when Miss Jean leaves the building, that everyone just forgets about her, right? People are following her, I have no doubt. People are trying to, to get time with her. I mean, we're like 20 minutes into postgame last night, and there's another interview with Miss Jean. It's pretty difficult for Miss Jean to leave the building. And to me, that makes it all the more interesting that here we see Jesus walking into the city of Jerusalem. The people have been waiting for years and for generations for the coming Messiah. And they think that this Jesus guy might be it. And then, as soon as the praise is over, they let him walk out of the city. Is that all you got? I thought this was the Messiah. I thought you were going to say, like, Hosanna means save us, right? I thought you were going to save us. I thought this was going to be so much better. I thought this was going to be a crazy experience. You see, they were looking for a show instead of for a Savior. They were looking for a show instead of for a Savior. And I can't help but wonder if we sometimes do the same thing. These Jews in Jerusalem, they had been waiting on the Messiah for generations. They'd grown accustomed to everything about their life, right? Everyone knew the religious patterns, whether you were religious or not. You knew what the temple was, and you knew the practices. You knew what you were supposed to do, even if they meant nothing to you. Everything was status quo. Jimmy the Jew ran the grape stand, and he did that because Jimmy's dad, John, did, and so did his dad, Jerry. And your Uncle Bob was good friends with Jerry way back when, and that's why you still get free grapes at Jerry the Jew's grape stand. Right? Everything was the same. These Jews in Jerusalem had gotten comfortable waiting around on a promised Messiah, this promised Savior to come and save them. So when Jesus showed up, maybe he was the one. There was excitement. The show was coming. 
Maybe this was him. He's been putting on a show all around the region, right? Surely he's going to put on a show here. They'd gotten so comfortable with their lives that they were excited for the show that Jesus would put on. It would break up their mundane lives. But they weren't ready for a Savior. They were ready for the show, but they weren't ready for the Savior. You know, when things in our life change, whatever that change is, we're excited for the show. We're excited for the new car smell. But we often struggle to stick with the Savior. We forget that He walks with us in the highs and the lows. We, we get excited for our kids to finally get out of the house, right? That empty nest season. The first few weeks of freedom are amazing, but then the silence consumes us. We look forward to that new car, or that new house, or that new job, and the first few days of, the, of that newness are awesome. And then the car payment comes, or you find mold in the basement of your quote-unquote new home, or the boss comes down and hard on you, and all of a sudden those new things don't seem so good. We move to a new town or a new neighborhood and a new school and we're excited for all the new opportunities but then we're really frustrated when what we feel is loneliness because we don't have all the people that used to be in our lives. We have those mountaintop moments with Jesus. We go to camp or a conference or it's just a really good day at church. I don't know. But then the days that follow, they just slowly move from high to low. And when that happens, we start to question everything. A few weeks later, it feels as though he and the church have disappeared. We're excited for the show, but we often forget the, shape, the Savior. And then we, just like these Jews, point the finger of blame at the Savior. And we say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? You're just going to ride up here in the city and then walk back out? Is that all you got? So let's think about this moment from a different perspective. Let's think about this triumphal entry from the perspective of Jesus. Verse 1 simply says this. When they approached Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. There's nothing radical about that verse, but gives us a lot of information about where Jesus is, where he physically and geographically is. When we look at this account in Luke, it gives us even a little bit more of an insight. In Luke chapter 19, it says, Now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. You see, Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. And on one side of that mountain is this desert that they've just journeyed through. And on the other side is the lush valley of Jerusalem, a beautiful city. And certainly, the 12 disciples, as they stand with Jesus, are excited to go into the city. They've been journeying with him for a long time through through thick and through thin, through, through difficult things. They've had to push through. They've had to purge. They've had to drop things to make the journey easier. And they're finally at the mountain, and they're ready to go down into the beautiful city of Jerusalem, and they see its beauty, and they see the people, and they're so excited to celebrate with him. But what about Jesus? He sees all those things. But he also sees the the place where he will be hung on a cross. He also sees the, the courts where he will be falsely accused, where he will be beaten. 
And so he stands up on this mountain overlooking the city of Jerusalem, and he knows exactly what he's walking down into. Thirty-three years of life, the last three of them he spent training up these 12 disciples. He knows one of them is going to turn on him. And here you sit on a donkey at the top of a mountain. The crowd's ready to praise you as you ride down into the mountain into the city. I don't know about you, but if I'm Jesus, I'm really tempted to turn around and go back down the other side of the mountain. <laughs> he could have gone back to the mountain, the other side of the mountain. He could have gone back to the crowds in Galilee who had cheered him and left everything to follow him. But instead, he came down the Mount of Olives. He walked through the crowds who were praising him because they wanted a miracle, not a Messiah. You see, he even knew that their praise was going to be false and that in just a few short days, they would be the very people to turn on him. He had to walk through those people who were shouting Hosanna, knowing that they didn't really mean it. What's more is that Jesus still does that for you and I. He knows that we're going to walk out of here, out of this place this morning, disappointed that God didn't do things the way that we wanted. He knows that we're going to walk out of here and be more concerned about protecting our comforts than preaching Jesus to our community. He knows that we're going to let him down. He knows that we're going to praise him in the good times and question him in the bad. And yet Jesus came down the mountain anyway. He came down the mountain anyway. He came down to earth knowing that each and every single one of us would be just like the crowd of people in Jerusalem. Impostors, fake worshipers, crazed fans as long as the show was entertaining. But he still came down. And what's more is that Jesus still cares. Knowing, knowing that everything he's getting ready to walk into is a show and is fake, he still cares and has empathy on the people of the city. A few verses later in Luke 19, we read this. It says, as he approached and saw the city, Jesus wept for it, saying, If you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will build a barricade around you. They will surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children among you to the ground, and they will not leave one stone on another in your midst, because you did not recognize the time when God visited you. You did not recognize the time when God visited you. If there's anything that I want us to walk away with as we think about the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem, I want us to get this. You and I cannot miss the chance to praise him. We cannot miss the chance to praise him. Whether it's in a high or a low, we cannot miss the chance to praise him. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 22 about a guy named David. David was a king, and many know him as a victorious king. But there was a time when Saul was trying to kill him. And in fear for his life, he ran and he, he fled and he hid in a cave. I want you to think about visually a cave. I want you to, to think about the caves that you have had to run to in your life. The, the times of change that didn't turn out like you had hoped or, or the things that maybe came as unexpected and, and when you got to those moments, you had to walk into the darkness of the cave, not really knowing what was next. That's what David did. 
1 Samuel 22.2 says that when David got there, it wasn't just him, but that people came to him, and they were people who were desperate, people in debt. In other words, there was a whole bunch of needy people all gathered together and hiding in a cave. And while David was in that cave with a bunch of people that were really needy, depressed, discouraged, defeated, David wrote Psalm 142. Psalm 142 says this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look at the right and see. No one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. You know, I think so many of us in life come to a point where we just want to look at God and say, is that all you got? That's all that you can give to me? You're the creator of the universe. Why am I having to struggle through this? Why is change so hard? Why is moving out on missions so difficult? I'm trying to do what you want me to do, God. And this morning, as we think about the story of David, there's a section of Psalms, and this is one of them, called the Psalms of Lament. And in these Psalms of Lament, what we find is that biblical heroes right, would write these psalms and, and they expressed their authentic emotions. Like they just poured out how they really felt in front of God in the worst of times. But they always found a way to recognize that God was still real and that God was in control and that God loved them at the end of that. God can handle it. Your authentic engagement with God doesn't mean that you don't believe. It expresses that you believe he's more than you can understand. The way that we cannot be like the people who were receiving and praising Jesus on that day in Jerusalem is that we can praise him not only when times are good and when we think God is going to do something great in our lives, but that we can also praise him in the low times, that we don't miss opportunities to praise him day in and day out. I, uh, so I, I started with a story about my dad. I want to finish with a story about my dad, and hopefully in the middle, like hopefully you end up liking my dad, but hopefully you end up loving Jesus, all right? Because he's like the thing that runs through all this. My, uh, I'm the oldest of four. My youngest brother uh, just, just found out this week that uh, he got accepted into uh, med school. A uh, little play for us. We're big Purdue fans, but med schools at IU, so, you know, rivalry thing so he made a joke of it but this moment this picture um, doesn't really tell the whole story my brother ended up here because of something that happened in his life um, a long time ago six seven years ago when he was in high school he collapsed on a basketball court and um, his heart stopped and they uh, they took him to the hospital and he was diagnosed with a condition called wolf parkinson white uh, which is essentially like where your heart just, it beats too fast and it shuts itself down. 
So here he was, a teenager in high school. He was going through that, and uh, my mom um, was battling cancer, some, you know, kind of around that same time. And um, here's good old dad who, like I said, he doesn't show emotions, right? Like, he's a great dad, but he was also the dad, like, if, if he was sitting here in church this morning and the kids start coming through, I mean, his granddaughter was in the parade. He'd just be like, praise Jesus. So they're walking through this, and there's this surgery that can be done where they, like, I don't know, freeze stuff in your heart. And um, they do it the first time, and it fails. What happens now? Well, we're going to try again. Multiple hours of surgery the second time. They're in surgery again. I'm there with my family. Uh, My pastor growing up is there with us. And the surgeon comes out, and the surgeon says, listen, we are, we're unable, like, his heart is so strong, he's so healthy, that whenever we try to stop these extra pathways, like, they're coming back to life. He either needs a heart transplant, or he's going to have to uh, put in a pacemaker. And so right there, dad is asked to make a decision about putting a pacemaker in his, I think he was 16, 17-year-old son. So they make the decision to go to the pacemaker, and our pastor comes over, and he starts reading uh, Romans chapter 8 to him. Romans chapter 8 talks about how nothing can separate us from the love of God. And I'm sitting there, and I'm processing. I'm trying to feel all these things. Like, I love Jesus, too. I know my dad loves Jesus. And all of a sudden, my dad holds his hand up, and he raises his voice. He says, just Stop. Then he uses some choice words. He says, I don't want to hear that junk right now. And I was like flabbergasted. Like I was blown. I was like, whoa. He said, I just want to know where he's at. Where is he? If we can't be separated from him, where is he in this moment? Where is he when my son needs him? And the room was silent for the rest of the surgery. It took me a long time to process that myself. And as we've grown and as we've talked and had conversations and and all those things, I realized that I've never seen my dad worship like he did that day. Because in a moment that was incredibly low, in a moment of great uncertainty, It wasn't that he said that he didn't believe there was a God. He just wanted to know where he was. If we want to change from being a normal American Christian to someone who genuinely follows Christ, then we have to learn how to recognize that God is real in the worst of moments. We have to learn how to praise him And to be honest and authentic with him in those moments where it hurts the most. You see, when we are honest with God, it opens the door for us to truly honor him. It's like we think God can't handle it. It's like we think that our life is so much more difficult than everyone else's around us. That all these things are so hard and that God can't deal with it. Or that we should be better. But in fact, it's the opposite. That when we are honest with him. That's when we honor him the most. A 
You see, when we do this in our own lives, God begins to change our perspective on what we see happening around us. We begin to see the valley in other people's lives as opportunities. Instead of feeling pity, we recognize that we can just stand beside them. We know that God is holding them up even when they can't see it. We know that Jesus is weeping with them in their pain. And we know that Jesus is closer than they will ever know. Because long ago, on a day when Jesus was standing on the Mount of Olives, he came down into the valley with the people. And he continues to do that time and time and time again, meeting us in our valleys. The question is, are you there for the show? Are you there to praise him in your valley? Hebrews chapter 13, one of our favorite passages. Sorry, let me close the story on Braden. I forgot to do that. Braden's my brother. The reason that he decided to go into med school was because he recognized that, that God saved him in that moment for something greater. And his new goal was to be able to perform the surgery that saved his life. I was only mildly disappointed because I wanted him to be a pastor. <clears throat> I don't know. I guess God's in control and God knows what he's doing. So I'll praise him for that. This whole idea of moving out. Moving out. You see, when Jesus was standing on that mountain, he saw that one journey was coming to an end. He saw that his ministry with the people, his ministry with the disciples was closing. He saw that the, the sweet time where people were following him and excited and, and praising him was coming to an end. And he also saw the change that was coming. The change that would ask him to die on a cross, to be buried in a tomb, to defeat Satan, to defeat death, not because it was comfortable, but because it allowed you and I to join him for all of eternity in the presence of the Holy God. It wasn't easy for Jesus to move out, and it won't be easy for us to join him in moving out. That's why we read in Hebrews 13, 12 through 13, that Jesus also suffered outside the gate so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, and then we like to leave this last little clause off, bearing his disgrace. You see, when we stand with Jesus in the hardest of times, clinging to him, being honest and open with him, we honor him, and he does his greatest work in redeeming people and showing them the grace of God. This morning, as we respond to that story, there's lots of ways to do that. If you know Jesus, if you've been baptized and you've followed him and you've given your life to him, then when you come forward and take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice, you get to do that as a celebration. As a celebration that Jesus had the courage, that, that Jesus finished the task in going to the cross. We do that so reflectively. We remember that, that when he chose to come down the mountain and get into the mess, he did it for you. And we get to remember that and celebrate that. 
But for some of us, we've heard that story and we've never been able to be open and honest about how we really feel and about what we really struggle with. We've never been able to truly trust him with our lives. And to you, I say this, come, come, join him, join him. What you will find is that your emotions will tell you at times that you were disappointed, that there's got to be more, but you will find that at every stop of the journey, he is there, waiting to be discovered, guiding you, and giving you the grace that you need to make it through the day. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, come join us in the back, pray with us. Let us share our story with you and you share your story with us. And let us share with you how Jesus' story changes yours. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we know that you know each of us intimately. Uh, you, can, you know the number of hairs on our head. And so, Father, you know exactly where we are, what's going on in our lives, how we're challenged, what we're seeking in you. And so, Father, I pray that um, as only you could, send your spirit into this place and send your spirit to these people and speak truth to them. And Father, as, as your spirit leads us and, and as the word guides us, God, I pray that uh, you would give us the courage as created persons by you to go outside, to step out, to act, to join you outside the gates. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we respond to the gospel this morning? Sorrows and trade them for joy from the 
precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior! Isn't He wonderful? Sing hallelujah! Christ is risen. Bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? nothing else, right? Leave here recognizing that the Savior of the world came down the mountain for you, right? That's good news. That's good news. Hey, this week is uh, Passion Week, right? It's a week that we remember that Christ, what Christ went through as he walked into Jerusalem and died on the cross for us. And um, there, you have a neat opportunity. I love, uh, I love this for our church. So this Friday, Good Friday, uh, Stations of the Cross, it's an incredible way for you or for you and your family. Um, if you were here last year, uh, it was awesome. I just love it, right? It's a, it's a self-guided thing. You walk through these stations, and you will identify with what Christ went through and the story of the crucifixion in a way that, that I think you never have before. So um, that is going to be at our Midland location, 1900 Midland Trail. Um, it's between Clay Street Baptist and Valvoline. So um, 
5 to 8, that's open. It kind of depends on how you work through it, but it could take you probably anywhere from 30 minutes to 45 minutes, I would say. And like you said, you kind of go, come and go through it on your own. Really neat opportunity um, for us as believers to engage with that. And the next Sunday, obviously, is Easter. So we encourage you to come back, bring a friend with you, and uh, we're going to talk about this new life in Christ and what it looks like to actually live the life that Christ paid for us to have, right? So um, come do that, 10 o'clock. And um, if you're new here, one last thing. If you're new here, if you're trying to uh, get plugged in, please grab one of those communication cards on the back of the chairs. We'd love to just learn your story. That's where we always start. We just want to learn each other's story and see what God is doing in your life and, um, and share with you about what he's done in ours. So um, take one of those, fill it out, and then over here on the Connect board, there's a, a place to drop it in, all right? So I'm going to pray for us, and then, uh, as always, we're going to go outside and be the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for the chance and the freedom to come and worship here in this place today. God, um, we don't even uh, understand the value of being able to, to freely uh, gather and worship. And so, God, may that not be lost on us today. God, may we recognize that we um, were bought and paid for by your son Jesus. And um, because of that, we can go and live and be the light of the world as we leave this place today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go be the church.